Today's reading is taken from Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. It's on page 968 of the Bibles. Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Phil, for reading that. Please do keep your Bibles open on that passage. We will be referring back to that. We are focusing today on verses 9 and 10. Um, And so when I consider peacemakers as a South African, I always think of Nelson Mandela and Frederick Willem de Klerk. I remember being in my final year of school when Nelson Mandela was released in February of 1990. And then after I turned 18, There was a national referendum in 1992 where all the white voters of our country were allowed to vote uh, on a constitution change uh, to see if we should continue the the process of changing our constitution. The actual words were, do you support continuation of the reform process which the state president began on the 2nd of February 1990, which is aimed at a new constitution through negotiation? This Um, referendum was passed with just under 70% and the continuation took place. In the following year, in 1993, both Nelson Mandela and F.W. de Klerk received the Nobel Peace Prize, and so they were awarded for the efforts. And the following year, in 1994, the presidency changed hands from F.W. de Klerk to Nelson Mandela. And uh, our country has been forever different. The world recognized them as global peacemakers people that made a change in the world. But I don't recall any of the international press calling them children of God. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that it contains. I thank you for this passage of scripture that we'll look at today. And I do ask as I speak your word that you would speak through me. Allow me to decrease that you can increase. In Jesus' name, amen. For those who have been here for the last three weeks, we are looking today at the final sermon in a series on the Beatitudes. The series takes place from Matthew chapter 5, and today we read all 10 verses because you can't take verses 9 and 10 away from the rest of the passage. Each of these verses flow from each other. 
as we said in previous weeks, these verses are a progression. They don't stand alone like the Proverbs sometimes do, but you need to read each of them in context of the others. Uh, as Barter said previously, uh, these, these four, the first four Beatitudes uh, call us to Christ. They are things that encourage us to be like Christ. And the last four lead out from being a Christian. So once you call to Christ, you become a Christian, and the last four is what happens in your life afterwards. So let me remind you a little bit about what we've spoken so far, for those who might not have been there. Verse 1 and 2 shows us how Jesus was sitting on the mountainside. He sat down, his disciples around him, he started teaching. The crowds came around him and listened. And he began by teaching by saying, you need to recognize that you are poor in spirit. You're unable to help yourself. You need to be in a position of mourning for your sins. And you have an inability to be reconciled to God. And when you're in that place, you become ready to be part of the kingdom of heaven. God will fill your hunger and thirst for righteousness by calling you to be part of his family. And because of this, you can show mercy and be pure in heart. Bart has been teaching those, those verses in the previous three weeks, and if you've not heard them and you'd like to gain a deeper understanding of this passage, can I encourage you to go to our website and listen to the messages, get the whole sermons as a whole, and understand what God is saying us, to us from, these, from his word. Um, but God calls us to be his own. He calls us to be part of his family, to be part of his kingdom. And our supernatural response to this calling is to be happy and blessed in obeying those commandments. One of those is being a peacemaker, which is what we'll start looking at today. Verse 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Peacemakers are those who bring peace, but true peacemakers bring true peace to mankind. Day by day, and it's something that each one of us who know Christ should strive towards becoming, not only by our own abilities, but because we are poor in spirit, because we are mourning in our meekness, because we are hungry and thirsty to see God's kingdom come. So how do we do that? How do we become peacemakers? Do we have to be like Nelson Mandela and F.W. de Klerk? It's possible for us to do something like that, but not in their way. What does it even mean to be a peacemaker. And so, to really answer that question, to understand what the Bible is saying here, we have to understand the world in which we live. This world in which we live was created to be a place of peace, a peaceful place. Uh, but as the Bible shows us, Adam and Eve chose their own desires to be more powerful than they were. They were not happy being themselves. They wanted to be equal with God. And so they were tempted into disobeying him and became the enemies of God. This caused each one of us to be born in that same relationship of being enemies with God. The world which was once a place of peace is now a place of separation between us and God. And there needs to be a reconciliation. But that could only happen because they, and in turn we, uh, needed to give up our nature. Uh, we, we, by nature, we choose ourselves to be the rulers of our own lives. We don't want other people to tell us how to live. We definitely don't want God 
to tell us how to live. We want to be the most powerful person in any relationship. That's what the sin, this wrongdoing, did for us. We see this take place all the time. Uh, we never want to be the least. So we always choose to see people as people in positions of power with us. We work out where they are. Um, we see this in families. In every home situation, we see there's some jostling for power. Which is the most dominant sibling? Sometimes it's the oldest, sometimes it's the youngest. Who is the most dominant adult in the family? Uh, every time in every relationship that we're in, there is some sort of comparison to try and see where we are. Um, when these power struggles start to affect more people, there comes a time where there's an unrest or a dissatisfaction, and we can't decide how to proceed. And so then we, we give some of our power to someone else. We ask someone to step in and become a power broker, someone who arbitrates between us. The power broker decides who can have what power, who can have no power, and they dish out the power as needed for that situation. Uh, to give you an example of this, two children are fighting over a toy. They both want the toy, they're both screaming, they're both shouting, they both believe they are right. They both have equal power about that toy. An adult walks in and says, you can have the toy because of some reason, or none of you can have the toy, whatever the adult decides. The adult has more power than the children and then takes away the power from one of the children or from both of the children. The issue is resolved. Or is it? The child whose power was taken away at some point will try to regain that power. And unfortunately, it doesn't just happen with children. Every single one of us behave the same way. And the more power we have, the more power we try to assert. It invades every single part of our lives. We compare everything with everybody else. It happens in our marriages, in our schools, in our workplaces, and even in our churches. The struggle for power. At some time when this takes place, when there's a power consideration and we need some sort of a negotiation, we create an arbitrator. But is that the way of true peacemakers? Do we need to be people of power to regather the power that people have? No. That is not true peacemakers. Peacemakers in Christ are not power brokers, but people lovers. You see, when the world tries to broker peace, they give someone more authority to do what they need to do. But in Christianity, when you want to broker peace with God, we give up our power. You see, true peacemakers love people so much that they want the best for them rather than themselves. They choose to give up their own power for the sake of other people. And we see this mainly in the true peacemaker that we know. The true peacemaker was Jesus Christ. He came to be the perfect peace, not to gain power. He didn't come to be a prince of peace because he wanted more power. He was all-powerful. He is all-powerful. But he chose to humble himself and create a reconciliation between people and God. He came because the problem I spoke about earlier with the world could not be resolved by dividing power. It had to be resolved by giving up the power that he had. And so he chose to come down to earth to live, die, 
and rise again so that we can be made right with God. Jesus gave up all the power that he has to love us, to take on the role of a servant, to take on our retribution for our wrongdoings on the cross in order for us to once again be at peace with God, to love him. He was the best peacemaker because he chose love and forgiveness rather than power and vengeance. True peace is when we recognize God as all-powerful and therefore submit to him. And so we, to do that, we need to do as Romans chapter 12 tells us. Romans 12, verse 17 to 21 teaches us, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, It is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, give him a feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, you'll heap burning coals in your head, on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One of the commentators on this passage, Martin Lord Jod, says, A peacemaker is a man who is ready to humble himself, and he is ready to do anything and everything in order that the glory of God may be promoted. Peacemakers are children of God because they desire God's glory above all else. They actively share the good news of the gospel, bringing people who are at war with God to a place of peace with God through the truth of God's word. They choose to give up the power that they have to bring others towards Christ into God's family. Peacemakers love people. In fact, they love people more than they love themselves. Peacemakers choose love rather than revenge. Each one of us should be peacemakers, can be peacemakers. If we are children of God, we can be peacemakers by releasing our desire for power and trusting God to be all-powerful. And then choosing to let others know that truth. Choosing to give that to others. So how do we do that? One way is to see people as God sees them. Uh, we can choose to love people. You know, sometimes when you see something or someone does something to you that makes you angry or makes you wish that you could just retaliate in a way, instead of retaliating, see them as sinners. See ourselves as sinners. Blame the sin nature and love the person. Uh, we all hurt each other as sinners, but we can choose as children of God to forgive, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Look for ways to make peace, to show God's love. As you read earlier, provide for their needs. If they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. One of the most difficult results of this process is the blessing that God promises. And it seems a little bit strange because this blessing is not about health or wealth, but the blessing that comes from doing these Beatitudes is found in verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted 
for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The more we try to be people of peace, the more we try to be peacemakers, the more we try and do God's work, the more of a target we become for our true enemy. This final beatitude then is not something that we do, but rather something that is done to us because we are following the previous Beatitudes. As you look at this verse 10, uh, we see Jesus referring back to verse 3. He began the Beatitudes with the kingdom of heaven being a reward for recognizing your poorness in spirit. This final Beatitude too is the same reward for going through the results of being a Christian. That reward is citizenship in the kingdom of heaven. The more you respond as a Christian, the more you'll be persecuted, and the more the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. This persecution, although is quite easily misunderstood, this persecution is not about every person is persecuted, because we know there is much persecution in the world. As Cairo has prayed, there is war, there's politics, there's racism, there's rich versus poor, there's powerful versus weak. Persecution takes place all over the world in many forms. Um, this, all those sorts of persecution will continue until every person bows their knee to Jesus, submitting to him. However, this verse is talking about being persecuted for righteousness. Let me just add one more caveat to that. Uh, sometimes people get persecuted for doing Christian things in a foolish way, in a way that is lacking wisdom, in a way that is insensitive. And so this type of persecution is not about that. We should never confuse the message with the method that we use. Um, the message of the gospel stays the same, but the message we use, method we use, should be adapted to every situation. Speak God's word faithfully in a way that is pleasing and helpful. So if you are persecuted for sharing that message in a bad way, this is not being called being persecuted for, your, for righteousness. Peacemakers in the world are given prizes and accolades for brokering peace, for working out those power struggles. But for trying to bring true peace, you will receive um, people saying to you, you're trying to enforce your beliefs on others, uh, you're a bigot, you are uh, offensive. The more you try to tell people to see the truth, the, uh, the more that this truth tries to set people free, the more the ruler of this world will try and stop you. They will not give you rewards. They will not give you wealth. They will not give you health. The blessings that you receive is the same as what John 15, verse 18 to 20 says. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. One of the truest marks of faithfully living for God is that persecution will come in some form or other. Not that we want to try and seek it out, uh, but when it does come, we shouldn't fall back because of it. Jesus went through it. The message that we preach 
causes the world to hate us as it hated him. The promise is that we would receive the same treatment as Jesus is actually a badge of honor. That is the blessing of the Beatitudes. Um, as you continue reading from Matthew chapter 5, verse 11 and 12, which Phil didn't read, but it, it kind of finishes off this passage. And it says, Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The promised persecution is actually a reason to rejoice and be glad. You'll be blessed by God himself as you go through persecution. And so when it happens, continue doing the same thing you've always done. Be a peacemaker. Actively share the good news of the gospel. See people as God sees them. People that he loves and he wants to be reconciled with. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. When I started this message, my worldly example of peace was two men who've now passed away. But the nearly 30 years since they received the prize, the peace that they were hoping for has not come to pass totally. If you go into South Africa today, you'll still see signs of racism. You'll still see neighborhoods where people of only one race live, just as they did when they were forced to in times of apartheid. You'll still see inequality and injustice. The sad thing is, if you go into any country in the world, even here in the UK, you'll see signs of inequality, unfairness, conflict, and war in some form. The only true peace comes from submitting to God, and we need to give up our power to the one who is all-powerful and let people around us know about him. We need to choose to let go of that power that we have and follow the example of Christ. Love your neighbors. Do to others as we would have them do to us. The blessings that this passage promise are for us and are a joy to us, but they are not the blessings that other people would normally seek. I'm going to finish off this message with the words from Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. From that time on and forever, the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. To be peacemakers, we follow the example of the great Prince of Peace, the one who will bring true peace to this world, who will be the one who everybody bows their knee to, who will be the one who comes and sets peace forever. Let me pray. Father, I do thank you that you are our God. I thank you that as you began this passage on the Sermon on the Mount, that you told us how we can be blessed. 
that we can be blessed when we recognize our need for you, when we turn to you, when we give ourselves up to you, when we choose to love you. We thank you that the blessing comes because we can follow your example. And that blessing comes in a way that is not always known to others. It involves persecution. It involves being made fun of. It involves standing up for the truth. Help us to be faithful to your message, faithful to your gospel, faithful to bringing peace between you and other people around us. Help us to be peacemakers who share the truth of your word, no matter the cost. In Jesus' name, amen.